From the boardroom to the locker room, sport captures the imagination like little else. In this podcast, we talk to the men and women who make the big decisions and those who make the big plays to find out where sport is and, importantly, where it's going. But we do so through the only eyes that matter, those of the fan. And a very warm welcome to our new show, Generations, in association with Loch Lomond Whiskey, with your hosts, Andy Nichol and me, Giles Morgan, and brought to you by the Are You Not Entertained Sport Podcast Series. From the comfort of our vast Chesterfield sofas in our very hospitable drawing room, where there is a huge log fire ablaze and where we are sipping the finest Loch Lomond single malt whiskey available anywhere, Andy and I will be chatting to some of the great names from the world of sport, who share a special and unique sporting bond with other members of their family. Throughout the history of sport, these generational and familial bonds can be found everywhere, where insane talent emanates from the same families. From the old and young Tom Morris, the Williams sisters, the Charlton brothers, Archie Eli and Peyton Manning, and the Corder sisters, the list is long and the name spectacular. Over this series, we are going to meet a few of those families to understand what it is like to have these extraordinary family connections. What were the challenges? What were the advantages? Were there any disadvantages? And all is brought to you thanks to the very good folk at Loch Lomond Whiskies, who will keep our tumblers charged throughout. Andy, it's been a while. It's good to see you back. Here we are on Generations. What have you been up to? Oh, it's, what a summer of sport, isn't it? There's just been so much going on. We've been away for a while, summer holidays. But, you know, the the, the open up at St Andrews was amazing. And uh, with you know, all the cricket's been going on. But the, for me, the Commonwealth Games, Giles, was just brilliant. I, I loved it. It was in Birmingham. We all enjoyed London 2012 when it was in London. And I think Birmingham did an absolutely fantastic job. There were so many things just stood out. The weather was great. The way that Birmingham totally got into it. And the, some of the performances were just fantastic, Giles. I, I absolutely loved watching it. It's amazing. I always think the Commonwealth Games sneaks up on you as a sports fan. You don't necessarily have it in the must-watch. You know, you have your personal sports and, you know, the big ones like the Olympics and, and the FIFA World Cup. Commonwealth Games comes along and you suddenly get ensnared, and you then, just like the Olympics, you just can't let it go. And the certain sports are weakened, obviously. They're not as good with the, without, uh, you know, maybe without the Americans or the Jamaicans and that, but certain sports, like the rugby sevens, you know, just about every major rugby-playing nation is in the Commonwealth, apart from France, probably, France, Argentina. But other than that, you know, and, and America. But uh, other than that, you've almost got you've almost got everything there. So some of the sports just absolutely brilliant. And uh, but for me, standout, absolute standout moment was Ailish McColgan. And uh, here we are on a podcast that looks at generations and the the family connection. For Ailish to win the ten thousand for Scotland in in Birmingham when her mum had done it in Edinburgh back in nineteen eighty six was just absolutely fantastic. I can remember Liz. I've always had a I followed Liz because she's from Dundee, where I'm from, 
And uh, so when she won that in 86, Giles at Medibank was just incredible. And so for Ailish to fall in her footsteps, and Liz has been her coach and confident, obviously, and her mum throughout this whole process, to watch Liz, and you saw some of the footage was just fantastic. Uh, just the excitement um, that she had for sort of vicariously living her career again, but this time through her daughter. And for Ailish, that... I mean, talk about digging deep. When when they went past four four hundred, she her face looked like she had nothing left in her. But my goodness, did she turn that around? And it was just brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Well, I I, I found it quite spooky. You know that the, the resemblance is obviously there, and and to have history repeat itself. I, sometimes sport, particularly athletics, when it just comes down to the down to the wire, there, there's nothing like it. But it's sort of been felt a little bit. Some of the ghosts. It's maybe a bit harsh to call some of the former players ghosts. But you've seen on the cricket field, Stuart Broad's had a bit of a renaissance. He's obviously still bowling at six foot six, and I don't know how old he is, 35 or something. He still seems to be taking wickets and enjoying the game. So obviously his his dad, uh, Chris, was a great opening batsman, quite a quite an aggressive player. He's um yeah, it was just lovely to see that. And then Zach Crawley, who for the cricket fans, the listeners here, who whose father John played was a, a great test cricketer going through the wars. And again, all of this stuff of this podcast of what does a dad say to her son who's doing well or, or doing well or mum saying to daughter? I think we can have, have all of these people on the show. Yeah, and it's, I think what we've learned so far from the two we've done with, with Gabby and Kenny Logan and then Michael and Lois Liner was that it's not the technical stuff that the parents are mainly advising on. It's the emotional. It's the the mental side of it, how they cope in, in those situations. Because, you know, you look at Stuart Broad and Chris Broad, the game of cricket's changed dramatically, hasn't it? Same with Zach and John Crawley. And uh, we talked about how much uh, rugby changed as well, but and with Michael and Lewis. And, and, um, and Lewis, you, you don't... You know, I think it, it, that's the side I, I've really taken from this, and we'll explore it with our guests that are coming on shortly, is that, you know, sport evolves very quickly, um, physically and, the, and technically. But the emotions of sport, I think, stay the same. And that connection is is what I think the family bonds have. It's it's advising, it's that parent having to advise their child when things don't go right. It's all great when they're winning. It's great for, for Liz to to be able to celebrate with, with Ailish when it when she wins, but how many times has she lost? And and you've got to pick them up and, and that. And that's the, the same with with any parent, irrespective of if their son or daughter is playing international sport or just club sport or school sport. It's just that emotion of, you know, winning and losing and just how you deal with that emotionally. And as you say, that support and, and what is nature and nurture, which we'll explore with our guests shortly. But actually, a couple of days ago, I was uh, coming back through the airport and I met up with a great friend of mine who is the manager of Peter Corder, who listeners will remember was a great Grand Slam winning tennis player. Um, he's also probably more famous now. He's uh, the father of Nelly and Jessica Corder, two of the great LPGA players who are uh, between the two of them really tearing up LPGA golf. But the younger brother, Sebastian, is um, just broken into the top 50 on the ATP and is the spit of his father, replete, you know, even with the spiky hair. Um, and talking to, to, to Patricio, um, one, I'm delighted to say that the Corders will try and find time to come on this show in the future, which I think will be fascinating. But he was telling me that at the moment, Nelly and Jessica have got this thing, is that Nelly's playing rather better than Jessica, but Jessica was the first to, to qualify on the tour. So Nelly is trying to help her older sister along 
at a point when, as we all know with golf, it's a frustrating game, when form goes, how do you help someone that you're also trying to beat? I mean, in a family context. I, 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 yeah, I can't, I can't just begin to bring my, get my head around that. It must be, I mean, in many ways, there's so much support there and, it, that, and that'll be almost subliminal. But then it's, then it's that, if, if, you're, if I'm improving, improving them, they're going to beat me. And uh, I mean, there's there's a few examples um, in in Scottish rugby of uh, you know um, a player getting selected and him uh, phoning up his uh, his brother to say, "Great news, I'm in the team," and uh, and his brother saying, "Well, you've taken my place." You know the the, the 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 Browns, Gordon Brown and Peter Brown. That's a famous story coming from them, and uh, and that's fantastic. But you know, I think it's that support, isn't it, Giles? You know, you you want to help each other, but I love when it comes down to it. And I'd love. I don't think Nelly. And Jess, have I ever gone fully head to head in the sort of final pairing on a Sunday afternoon on the LPGA? That'd be great to see, wouldn't it? And just oh see, I mean, for, for Peter, <laughs> that must have been that would be incredible to watch. Absolutely. Well, I'd also there's what Patricio, the agent, was saying is that the, the dream that they have as a family is that Peter won a Grand Slam. Uh, I think Jess has won a Grand Slam. Nelly is close to winning a Grand Slam and hopefully Sebastian will. Can you imagine four Grand Slam winners in your sports in one family? But before we get um, too too carried away with them, we, we, we've got guests coming on. and Well, there's sibling rivalry going on here. There's also kind of cousin rivalry going on. And all I can say, and I'll let you introduce our, our guests, is I can only imagine that feeding time uh, of this particular family about 40 years ago when four boys were growing up in Edinburgh, um, all of whom very talented sportsmen in their own right, must have been a bloody nightmare. Who have we got coming on? We've got the Hastings clan coming on, Giles. And let me uh, put a bit more meat on that bone. We've got Gavin and Scott Hastings are um, synonymous with Scottish rugby. The Hastings name is one of the biggest names um, in Scottish rugby, maybe even world rugby. Gavin, captaining the Lions in 1993 to New Zealand. He won 61 caps for Scotland. Scott won 65 caps for Scotland, which he will always tell you proves that he was the better brother. But they And they had a rivalry. They are... They're larger-than-life characters, and I'm sure we'll, we'll experience that um, in the podcast coming up. But they're also, they've produced really talented family as well, and that is what we're going to explore more today. We're not going to explore Gavin and Scott's career because we've done that ad nauseum. We want to get the, 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 the family rivalry that they maybe had growing up. But they've also produced a fantastic family, and we've got two of the family members coming on. So Scott's daughter, Kerry Ann, is, uh, is coming on, and she is a fantastic hockey player, played for all the age group teams in Scotland, and she's had 13 caps for Scotland and captaining the under-21s in, in 2016, 2017. So a hugely talented hockey player. And then Adam Hastings is Gavin's son. And Adam has won 26 caps for Scotland. He's currently playing for Gloucester, coming over an injury that uh, meant he missed missed the summer tour with Scotland. But uh, these two young kids have followed in the footsteps and the shadow, or well, let's explore, was it a shadow of the Hastings name? So why don't we get them on? Sounds great. Well, welcome the Hastings clan. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, it's going to be a busy show. Lots of people on. Scott, I'm going to come to you first, sir, if I can. And just, you know, the the sense of pride that you have as a father for what Kerry ann has achieved. Yeah, without any shadow of doubt, Andy. And I, I think also being in a different sport as well. I think for Kerry ann she was looking at potentially rugby, hockey, but also she was an athlete in her own mind as well. 
and uh, lots of high jump, running, etc. But it was uh, really following her, her her brother actually, Corey, who got picked for the Scotland under 16s and under 18s, and. I think that gave her the confidence to pick up a hockey stick and go for it. And undoubtedly, she's reveled in that atmosphere, but also playing for, uh, club hockey, uh, school hockey, that led her to have that ambition to play uh, in overseas tournaments. And Scottish, the Scottish Hockey Association um, have been amazing in terms of her development and career. And ultimately, I was as proud as Punch when she got capped a few years ago to get her main Scotland cap. So I was delighted for her. And Carrie Ann, what, what was it like growing up as a, with the the Hastings family name? Did it you know different sport as your dad just said there? But uh, what was that like growing up in Edinburgh as a as a Hastings? Definitely. Um, to be honest, I didn't actually notice it too much as a kid. Like personally, um, I would notice it walking around the streets. I could see people like nudge each other and go, oh, "There's there's Scott Hastings," but Dad didn't have a clue what was going on. Um, but more so in like a sporting setting, I definitely. Um, I was actually quite fortunate, or mum and dad actually, they put me through a different school setting, so they took that pressure off already, so I didn't have that, I'm going through Watsons and, oh, that's the Hastings, like, I kind of was starting my own my own wee journey in my own school, um, which was great at Mary Erskine and Stuart's novel. Um, and then also, as dad's already mentioned about being in the different sport setting as well, like, I picked up a different sport, um, I didn't feel too much pressure there, and also being a woman as well, like, there's not actually that... I've actually, I would say there's a bit of a lower expectation from myself and people probably didn't really think of me as going into an international sporting setting just uh, because rugby and women in sport it wasn't really a thing when I was younger. Um, so I didn't actually try rugby at all uh, when I was younger, picked up hockey and loved it. But um, what I definitely got from Hastings was the competitive attitude. So I think my teachers definitely picked that one up. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the Hastings for sure. Um, but apart from that, I didn't feel a lot of pressure. I was very fortunate in the sense, but I know that was completely different from my brother for sure. Um, being a boy, getting into rugby, and then Adam obviously went for it um, and is obviously succeeding so superly. So um, superly, that's not a word, but <laughs> so well. That's a good word. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Big Gaff. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely, um, yeah, in the sense, I'm, I feel very fortunate where I am right now. And, and Adam, I wanted to pick up on, on, on that, is that you are you are playing a, a, a sport that your your father and uncle played. You are a male. You, are, you did go to the same school. What was it like being being a Hastings, knowing that you wanted to play rugby, that you had a talent for rugby? How much of a pressure did you find the name? Was it a hindrance or was it a help? Um, yeah, to be honest, when I started playing, obviously, uh, as Karen touched on, like you'd go to Murrayfield or whatever with Dad or Scott, and you'd have people kind of um, asking for photos and most of the time I had to take the bloody photos which is a pain in the ass <laughs> and I was like why are these people wanting photos with my dad um, but then obviously you kind of learn about fame and these things and um, yeah I think I used to look at the way people looked at my dad and almost kind of want that as well in a way um, there's something quite cool about you know the respect that Scott and Gavin have um, from their playing days and um, you know as a kid you kind of want that as well um, when you're involved in a sport you know you want people to respect you and you want your teammates to respect you and this and that and I think that still sticks with me now um, probably less so uh, you know looking at it from externally you, you don't 
I've learned to kind of not care what um, you kind of the the Joe public thinks about you. It's more so what your family and your friends think about you and your teammates. And I think growing up, at first it was easy, and then you know, kind of getting into your twelve to seventeen, eighteen, it was probably a bit tougher um, because you've got people saying these things, and um, you know, there is a certain pressure that comes with it. But then I think once I'd kind of made my market at Glasgow um you know that became less of a a distraction and I was kind of able to focus on my own career which I which I have done um until today yeah Adam let, let, you mentioned there you, you were conscious that people would say or you know there's there's Gavin Hastings or Scott Hastings I was very conscious that people were saying about you from a young age and I'll tell you why my my nephew is uh I think similar age to you and there was a there was a mini rugby tournament at Newfield back in I don't know you were you were probably age sort of 10 11 and and something like that and I remember people saying oh Adam Hastings is playing on the other pitch and so you know you're very early on we're like badged in with your with your dad and your uncle did you did you get a sense of that early on did you do you recognize that people were looking at you differently and speaking about you differently yeah and I think probably a little bit not too much but I think that's when you don't know if they're looking at you because you're related to them or because they think you're a good player um so I think that was kind of the question I was asking myself as I was growing up and that's probably why I enjoyed playing other sports so much like football like cricket you know I was as Kerry Ann was as well and, and uh you know all, all the kind of cousins we we were heavily involved in a lot of different activities and I think that's probably why I enjoyed it anyway um the fact that there there wasn't that expectation that came with playing football no one cared um so I think yeah that probably helped a, a little bit but then obviously I, I had to make a decision at some point and and chose rugby. And, and that decision to, because you were a good football player as well, um, I know that Ian Botham um, was a very talented football player um, and he was obviously a pretty handy cricketer as well. He made a decision, is his father who helped him and said, I think you're better at cricket, go for it. Did you have that kind of, was there a moment where you were tilting one or the other or did you know in your own blood or did dad help you or did Scott help you to say, really rugby, rugby is the best place for you to go? I probably didn't have that decision because um, I wasn't. I mean, the only other thing I think I would have liked to do would have been football, but I wasn't within a, a youth team at that point, so I wasn't picked up by Hibs, Hearts, or Celtic, um, or like. So I think if I had been, that would have been a, a completely different decision, um, and it would have been interesting actually thinking to what I did because I really did love football. It was such a fun game, but I think deep down I was. Because I didn't have that option, but I think deep down I always kind of wanted to do what Dad did, I think. So, yeah, rugby was probably always going to be the winner there. I heard that Gallifrey Dean were after you, Adam. Who are they? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that doesn't say much about my footballing ability. <laughs> so, so, Gav, would uh, if, if Adam had gone for the, the round ball, are you a jambo or a hippie? Which, which would you have preferred him to play Andy, for? Andy, I thought you would have known that, being... Um, our, one of uh, four boys um, growing up, obviously, I uh, there's two that support Hearts and two that support Hibs. And um, I'm obviously a man in Maroon, and uh, Hearts is my team. And uh, obviously, as you know, I don't live far from Tyne Castle. Scott's never been to Easter Road in his life. He calls himself a Hibs supporter. Hibernian, Hibernian. Probably a good spell, Hibernian. 
<laughs> well, I think it's interesting. I mean, rugby is is a is a sport for for kids. Um, you know, it's a wonderful sport. It, it's engaging. You learn to respect your teammates and whatever else. And football, by the same token, is 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 very much along that lines. And 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 it's so easy in in many respects to to play. And and um, so Adam, of course, was was just into everything in, in those days like so many other kids and uh, you know you just want to support them um i do remember um i came back from the lions tour in uh, 1997 and adam used to trot when he was old enough to get out his cot and he'd come through every morning and um open my bedside table and pull out a program from the 97 lions tour and there was just a photo uh, an advert for super sport or whatever with about seven or eight different shapes of ball and he would open this up to the same page and go what's that and i say that's a cricket ball what's that that's a rugby ball what's that that's a basketball what's that that's a golf ball and every morning in life for a few months he would do this aged about 18 months or suppose <laughs> and uh, it was just quite strange and uh, so I, I figured you know and when all was said and done you know we're we're synonymous i suppose with with sport and and you know it's 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 not a surprise that offspring of scott and myself and we're, we're going to play sport and, and that's just the way it is and uh you know um obviously corey's been mentioned and adam's sister holly and, and you know she played sport at school and she keeps herself fit now and, and whatever else and um it's all about having fun at that age. And, um, you know, no one really knows which way it's going to go. Um, and then there's a decision to be made. So, Scott, how did you uh, say, you and Jenny, you have, your, you have your two kids. You probably know from quite an early age that they're both quite sporty. One, because of both parents are sporty. How do you set about sort of creating an environment that will allow them to be as good as they can be, but also, as Gavin said, you know, sport is about enjoyment. It's not ultimately when you're young about being the best. It's about enjoying yourself. How? What sort of atmosphere did you try and create to allow the natural path to happen? Um, I, 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 sport was always part of our our upbringing with the kids. You know, so you know, if they were playing out in the street, Jenny and I would go out and go for, go off running. And lifestyle was everything. So. When, when they were involved at school, of course, they had their school sport, but they joined clubs and societies and the Edinburgh Athletic Club. So, of course, as all parents do, you become a taxi driver. But this is where you have to applaud uh, the volunteers and the coaches, both at hockey, at rugby, at football, at athletics, that, that people are giving up their time to allow our children in many respects that opportunity and we had great fun traveling uh, all over scotland watching athletics um watching various events and as i mentioned earlier on from from under 16 level um you know we we traveled overseas to watch the kids play in these european tournaments i always remember ending up in Mannheim, an hour outside frankfurt for kerry ann it was uh, playing in an under 16 competition and we got into this uh, into this hotel. And says, uh, where are, "Could we get something to eat?" He says, "Yes, this is your lucky weekend." This is why. He says, "Well, we have a food festival, uh, a music festival, and um, a beer festival uh, on this weekend. We're about one hundred meters to the left of the hotel." Um, so we spent a lot of time there, but we also spent a huge amount of time not only watching Kerry Ann play hockey, but these fantastically skilled kids 
playing in this European tournament under 16 level. Uh, and we spent probably more time at the hockey field than in the beer festival. Um, although we, we did lubricate occasionally. <laughs> and uh, it was it Occasionally, was, it was great. every day, Dad. <laughs> every day. Every day. The, the simple fact was that sport and, and uh, healthy lifestyle, and we're talking nutrition, fitness, stretching, everything was encompassing it. And, and that was what the joy was. You literally just talked about pints and fast food and you said nutrition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you have to find that balance, Adam. You know, occasionally we all we get a sore head from drinking too much. And, uh, you know, we have to work out what he hydration is. And eventually you learn and you mature. Not, not, I'm still trying to work that one out, to be quite frank with you. But, uh, but no, it, it was. And also, I think Gavin touched upon it as well. It was fun. Uh, and the one thing I'm sort of a little bit sort of sorry that Corey and Kerry Ann never had the opportunity really. There wasn't really enough time, but I, I wish they'd played golf uh, and get both Gavin, very good two handicapper. Uh, and Adam both play some you know, pretty good golf. And I think that's a great sport because you can continue. Although I was out my bike this afternoon and I'm absolutely knackered. So <laughs> I'm still trying to uh, sort my fitness out at the moment. Carry on. If I can just explore a little bit, because a lot of um, sports people, um, they, they, they get advice from a lot of people and they get it from their coaches and some of the mentors. You know, when your dad has been at the very top level of a sport but a different sport were you able to tap into the mentality of an international sportsman and did you use your dad for that or did you just shy away and try and get that that mentorship from somebody else i'm glad this is a podcast because we're just laughing away and dad's shaking his head no <laughs> <laughs> she didn't listen to a bloody thing I told <laughs> to be fair i've i've always uh like honest like serious note he's I've always, well, I will always strive to have his mentality because I've never known such a strong character who backs himself and believes himself. And I think it's phenomenal. And he always said that. And I always ask him about, I love asking him stories about rugby and what, and he just like, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And, and I suppose that's probably what he's, he's offered me that advice. And I am trying to strive for that, but I find it really, really hard. That's the one thing that I've struggled with in my sport and still do and still trying to like push it is my confidence within my sport and within my ability. And um, at like, again, coming back to a women's sport, women outside of like, I do struggle and you're always trying to fight those um, barriers that we have. And, um, and it's just one thing that like, I definitely, I'm trying to learn and, and I'm learning from my dad to actually push myself and actually be confident and back my abilities for sure um and also because I've been injured so many times and like the thing is dad never got injured I think he had one hamstring injury so I couldn't even go to him for advice on that one but that's where my mum kind of kicked in and I always kind of bring in my mum because like she was a fantastic athlete as well like she nearly went to the Commonwealth Games for the swimming and stuff so when people ask about dad I'm like oh well my mum did this mum did that so I can relate to my mum a lot more in the sense of injury wise and Actually, now I've learned that when I go on the hockey pitch, like I went on the hockey pitch today and I've not been on that for about five months. And I was like, I love my sport. I just want to enjoy it and just kind of, that's it. And as what Adam said, I think I was also um, nervous and intimidated about what other people thought of me. And I still am, but like, who cares? Like nobody actually cares what you're doing. And if they're actually commenting on what you do and what, like what's happening they have no idea how to do it themselves, so they can't comment on it. So you kind of just need to bug that, like put that in the back burner. But yeah, for sure, like I wish I could take his advice 
like but I like I, I physically can't like not yet and hopefully one day I'll be able to be like I finally understand what he's trying to say so come yeah. on carry on you're very very good and you're <laughs> terrific personality and you're going to do it so we back you 100 percent. i'm, I'm good at, co- so I'm good at coaching as well Kerry. oh my so. days let's know that'll be a whole different podcast let's not talk about your coaching which i nearly swore there it's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> so adam one of the things that every sports fan has they have heroes kids grow up they have um that their, their fans mine was i alluded to him earlier ian botham but you were not old enough when your father or uncle were playing at the, the, their pomp to, to, to have seen the, the, the stars that they were for, for Scottish rugby and for the British and Irish Lions. So you're aware as you're a little boy that you've got uh, this sort of lineage of, of, of stardom behind you, but you haven't really directly seen it. So who were your heroes growing up? Who were the people that were on your poster on the, on the door of your bedroom that you really admired and maybe helped to take you on this journey to, to become an international sportsman? Uh... I didn't. I probably didn't have one. I, I think I had lots um, when I went through stages. I, I, when I was younger, I didn't watch a whole lot of um, rugby on the tally, so I couldn't. I, I wouldn't say I had a rugby hero. If it, if it would have been one, it would have been Chris Patterson. Um, kind of growing up because he was kind of the main, the main man in Scottish rugby for so many years. Scotland's greatest um, fullback was it, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, who had it been? I think Ronaldinho. I, I loved watching him growing up. Um, the footballer, the Brazilian footballer. He, I had a poster of him in my room. I loved Fernando Torres. Um, I liked Ronaldo. Um, so I think these kind of footballers, because I enjoyed watching my football and, um, you know, the big games like the Champions League, the World Cup, I used to love it. So I'd, I'd say those those lads. So actually all, all, all stars with quite pronounced haircuts as well so maybe that was something that came into your own game <laughs> well, I'd say my haircut's a bit more sensible now um, as I'm growing up I'm getting some grey hairs so I've got to be tactical there um, but yeah no good lads good haircuts you not Scott so, he's bald <laughs> so we've, we've been podcast actually what? we've been focusing on uh, and Adam and Kerry Ann and, and the role that Scott and Gavin has of parents let's Gavin if we can come to to your parents and Clifford and Isabel, who were a huge influence, obviously to you, boys growing up, and your two brothers Graham and, and Ewan as well. Just paint a picture. What was the Hastings family growing up in the back garden and playing sport? I imagine. I mean, Isabel, she was a, a legend of a of a lady, and I can understand why when I've seen you two grow up and, and know the other two as well. What was it like? Paint a picture of the Hastings boys growing up, and maybe where where the next generation are sort of uh, living the what you lived through back in you in your childhood. I'm not sure, Andy, what um, <laughs> what we got up to would be allowed nowadays. Whatever. My mother always used to tell the story about um, we lived not far from the shops, and um, you know the the four kids would be there, and she'd go in and let's say to the butcher shop and say, "Right, kids, you stay there." So my older brother would wander off. Um, I would stay and do what I was told, and Scott would push Ewan into the middle of the road in his pushchair <laughs> and see if he's going to get run over. And uh, this was sort of chaos, as as you can imagine. 
and Scott letting off uh, rockets in the kitchen one bonfire night um, thought this would be a good idea because he wasn't sure if rockets would go horizontally. But let me tell you, they do go horizontally <laughs> and, uh, and whatever else. But, I mean, it was really interesting. And back then, of course, you know, BBC had everything on television, didn't they? And, and you know, remember that, that well, you, you probably don't remember, but the days of watching the FA Cup final live on, on, on BBC One at three o'clock in the afternoon, and that was the FA Cup final. And then you might have the Scottish FA Cup final the week before, and then Wimbledon would come along, and then the Open Golf would come along, and then we'd have the Five Nations on telly, and then there would be you know, some swimming or whatever. So whatever was on the television tended to be replicated in the garden, you know, with makeshift tennis court or a rugby um, game of rugby or a football match. And, and it's just, that's what we did. We always were, were going, you know, for walks with a ball, with a bat, with, with a golf club. And you can imagine that four boys in their teenage years were all quite competitive and we got our competitiveness from from mum and she was a very competitive lady and you both knew her reasonably well and my father was or is too much of a gentleman still to be you know he would like to just keep the peace and of course all the boys like to you know try and win the whole time and, and that's just the way it was and so being competitive was something that we lived on a day-to-day -day basis. And we, you know, it's funny, I remember back to when Scott and I got into the Scotland team and, you know, Scott had just turned 21, I'd turned 24, and uh, people couldn't believe the sort of confidence that we had. Well, as far as I was concerned, I'd been waiting about four years to get in the Scotland team. And Scott was bloody lucky to get into the Scotland <laughs> team at that time. Thank you. And, um, you know, so, um, and, and we just sort of breezed in there. And, this, you know, I've been waiting for a long time, and, and Scott too. And so why would you not be full of confidence when you've got the opportunity to play and run out in, in Murrayfield in front of 65,000 people? This would be the greatest day of your life if it went well. And, and so be confident. And... You know, I always remember John Beatty um, years later sort of saying that they couldn't believe the confidence that we had. And, and if only the Scotland team of today would have that confidence. Well, I'm sorry, but it, that's second nature to me. Why would you not have confidence when you're competing and, and playing at the highest level, regardless of whether you've been there before? So sometimes, and Kerry Ann's talked about that, that Carry on, let me say, suffers from no lack of confidence in any family gathering that we ever have. Um, therefore, hey, I don't believe it. That, <laughs> <laughs> that confidence thing, it's just, it's, it's what I would say just separated you two uh, from everyone else you did you have it you hadn't spades you still got in spades in fact you know when I I, I joined the Scotland um, team when I had my first cap when I was 20 and I you know they've not got the 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 cubicles now that Adam's got at Murrayfield with their names in it you just sat anywhere at Murrayfield and it was very people sat in the same place didn't they every time and I'm I actually intentionally sat next to Scott because I, his character his personality was going to be such that it would make me relaxed before my first cap and you probably wouldn't remember this, Scott, but uh, it, it had that complete opposite effect because you'd forgotten your boots 
before. And when you got to Murrayfield, this, this calming influence that I was meant to have next to me was absolutely going banzai because he'd forgotten his boots. So it kind of backfired a little bit. But Scott, just the memories that you know, Gav was talking there about your mum and dad. What 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 are the traits that that you learnt from them that you're now passing on to 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 Kerry Ann and, and Corey and, and and your nephews and nieces as well? Well, th- thankfully it wasn't boxing because we had some great fights in the house, great, as we used to call them, paggers. And uh, Graham would hit me, I would hit Gavin, um, Gavin would hit me back, I would then hit my wee brother. It was ridiculous. But no, I, I think we not only competitiveness was 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 part and parcel. It was just saying to the to both Corey and Kerry Ann that they can enjoy their sport. And I think you know Kerry Ann alluded to that earlier. She was back on the pitch this afternoon realising, I love this sport. I want to play it more. And and that's brilliant. And she's also been coaching the Scotland under-21s over the summer, which was fantastic. Her, her injury meant that she wasn't selected in the Commonwealth Games. And I know I've had my disappointment on the sporting field. And she's, she's currently resetting and trying to understand how if she can get through her injury, maybe she can light that spark again and get that back in. So that encouragement is always there. But you know, nowadays it's more to be a sounding board than anything else. And I also have the the utmost pleasure of at times commentating on Adam. And I remain to this day very impartial when I'm commentating about Adam. I can be as critical as I can if he's not playing well, or I can applaud what he can do well. And undoubtedly is he's got the confidence, he's got the talent. And if he can get back in that Scotland team, um, it would be great, you know, not not, not only for himself, but it, it just gives us a sense of pride. And positioning, and you know, I, I I was thinking earlier on today when we were you know uh, thinking about this podcast that my son Corey he's uh, across in San Francisco, and sport has given him the opportunity to join San Francisco Fog Hockey Club. He absolutely adores it over there. He coaches hockey over there, and our eldest brother Graham, who, who's failed to get a mention so far on this podcast. he's the guy who started it all in terms of rugby. So when he went off to the Scottish Schoolboys trial and he was followed by Gavin, it was easy for me because I would go along and say, what's your name, Scott Hastings? Are you the brother of Gavin and Graham Hastings? Yeah. Oh, you're in the team then. So that was quite kind of an easy pathway. But also Graham went off um, to to Melbourne and got in touch. And and somebody in Melbourne Rugby Club, in fact, a guy called Andy Stewart-Mateith, had read an article that Graham was going to Melbourne and it was through rugby and through this guy, Andy Stewart-Manteith, that Graham ended up uh, emigrating to Australia, played for the Melbourne Rugby Club, played for Victoria State. Um, but it's always been sport that that is undoubtedly the topic of conversation in any of the Hastings households. And of course, golf, you know, I mentioned earlier on, is always on as well. So it's, it's you know, looking back, uh, yeah, maybe we should have stuck it in our academia a little bit more but it it was it was a happy household and i love talking about happy households because that's where you you seed set everything and and adam your um your journey was you you went to, to to george watson's you followed the family tradition and then the decision was made i remember when it happened you were taken down to somerset to millfield one of the great academies of sport in in the uk where some great welshmen gareth edwards jpr williams i have to bring those always into a, a very scottish sounding podcast otherwise um and then you went to the bath academy i think if memory serves me right and then you came back north um and now you find yourself at Gloucester. I wonder in the course of your career as you've been going through, how much of a help was it 
getting away from the goldfish bowl of Edinburgh at that sort of 16, 17, 18 year old time to help you on the journey as you came back into the professional game? Um, yeah, I think going down to Millfield was a big step, um, not just for rugby, but just kind of character development, as I describe it as well. I think for the first two weeks, I basically rang mum every morning crying and saying I hated it because I was so homesick. And then two weeks, um, two months, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> two years, well, I think, Adam. I think, you stopped answering years. After, I think you stopped answering after two weeks. So. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that was kind of big for me in, in terms of just being away from home because you know i'd been at a day school as you mentioned george watson's all my life um you know i knew everyone there um you know i was so comfortable in in edinburgh and then going down there is just kind of see a people I'd, I'd never seen before and yeah i think that was huge in, in kind of just developing my character um you know in in general life as well and yeah and then obviously um at bath you know that was a tough couple of years um kind of experiencing professional rugby and being thrown in at the deep end. But in a way, as, as you kind of mentioned there, being away from, from kind of Scottish rugby as, as it was and um, was kind of able to forge my own path down at Bath and then come back when the time was right, I think was was brilliant for me in, in my development. And carry on, you mentioned earlier um, injuries and, and unfortunately some people in their sporting career get a lot, some don't. You're, you're absolutely right. Martin Johnson hardly got an injury his whole career and he played second row. But, you know, Adams uh, had an injury uh, recently as well. Do you do you guys speak as cousins? Do you do you speak, just share stories? Do you do you, do you forget the, the old man and the uncle and just go to your, your cousins and uh, and sort of talk at that level? What's your relationship with Adam on a you know professional level, if you like? Uh, when we're in touch we're like yeah of course well to be honest we just give each other a bit of crap sometimes <laughs> just a bit of a laugh um, but when we're to be fair when we're in person like we will chat sometimes like but sometimes to be honest we just want to be human beings we just want to be Carrie Ann and Adam and actually that's what I kind of like about our relationship and like friendship about that because we can kind of just be like, oh, how's your life coming along? Like, what what's happening? Rather than like, and then sometimes, yes, I will ask him about his rugby. But um, more so, a lot of people know more about my cousin than I do sometimes. They're like, oh, your cousin's playing this weekend. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that. Like, and Adam will be the same as well. And like, he came and watched me against the Canada series. Um, yeah. And that was the first time that he's ever watched me play hockey. And that was back yeah. in 2018. And I came off the pitch, he went, here you're quite good at hockey I was like oh here mate thank you so much and like here and that's here he always says here (laughs) um so yeah yeah we don't we probably should we should talk to each other a lot more about it but sometimes yeah we do just want to be human beings and just be each other's cousins and support each other in different ways so um yeah I I think it's a miracle we are friends and me and Holly are so so close because I was absolutely horrible to those two growing up I mean, I you remember at Granny's house once. <laughs> I hit Carrie Ann with a rope and nearly took her eye out. I think I've, I think I've beat Holly up just about every other day. So <laughs> the fact we've still got a relationship and we are so close is a miracle. Um, but yeah, as, as Carrie Ann said there, I think sometimes, you know, we do chat about sport, but I think we kind of understand that. And, you know, a, a lot of the time, 
with with um you know my mates who are involved with rugby as well is you don't really want to talk about it you want to separate those two things and you can ask okay how's it going obviously general chit chat but i think the best thing about you know our family is we are so close and we, we talk about other things and that's been helpful to me over over the years is um i'd never shy away from from speaking to um, you know, a member of our family about other things um, off the pitch, which is which is good. Yeah, I, I like those. I like simultaneous equations as well, Adam. That's quite good. Uh, <laughs> thanks very much. I failed maths. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> I'm, Adam, I'm, I'm intrigued in that. I, I absolutely get this about getting away from the sport. You, know, I experienced professional rugby at the end, and you, you can sometimes be so consuming. But, but when your dad has been in that position, say in the goal kicking scenario, which is unique. You know, I didn't goal kick, so I don't know what that's like. Your dad did. You do. Do you ever talk about that? That side, not the technical side of it. How you kick it. How you cope with the pressure of uh, of kicking in an international environment. Um, I actually, you know what? I actually don't think we have. But the thing <laughs> about the thing and the thing that I mentioned there is, like, with um with dad is, and last post Scott as well is, you know, you can they give you advice on on little things like like you're mentioning there. But I think the best thing that dad's been for me is just someone to vent to, um, about certain things, um, and just kind of been more of a listener than than an advice giver and then he'll always finish off with some profound statement um to get me going again which is which is good so uh, no i think i've spoke to dad you know um on the phone many times after games and just kind of vented to him whether that was a tough loss or even after a win you've just chatted chatted about not necessarily the game but just how i'm feeling and um yeah, so it's, it's uh, I suppose it's a good pillar for me, our kind of crutch to lean on. Thanks, Adam. That's very kind. Well, I just flip and 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 just flip that round, Gav. What's it feel like? I, I can't imagine. Obviously, the nerves of what it must be like to go and play for your country. I, I think the the closest I've got to play for was Barnes under eleven B team at cricket, and it was a not a great knock. But there we are. You've all been at the very top of the tree. But as a parent watching your child. Want, and you want them to do well, of course, and they've they've reached the the pinnacle. Adam, you know, playing for Scotland when you were first capped. What are the nerves like? I mean, what does that feel like when you know what it feels like yourself as a parent? I think as soon as you realise that there's nothing that you can do about how your child is going to perform on, on the field um, or wherever else they're performing, um, it's probably the best piece of advice that I could give anybody is that you actually can't influence. And I remember many, many years ago being on the side of a football pitch uh, and Adam was playing with his mate and I'm standing next to his mate's dad and he would not stop talking or shouting uh, the whole of this match. And I turned around to this guy and I said, will you please just shut up? And he said, oh, oh, uh, well, you, of course, cannot, cannot, shout and i said i can i can shout as much as you can but i choose not to because when when all is said and done it's background noise now it's a bit different than murrayfield the sixty-five thousand dollar people there and there's not really much that you could do and at the end of the day you keep your fingers crossed you i keep diane pretty calm because she gets a bit excited from the first minute to the last 
and uh, she's just a bundle of nerves and energy. And the the thing about it is that that this is the second time that Diane's had to go through this process. The same for my dad, and it's only the first time for me. So. And when you put that in context as well, that you can understand why they get probably even more anxious and more nervous than, than you do. But I believe in the saying, less is more. And I think if you actually take that to heart and you look at all these other these people, these parents of very, very talented people, and I'm always amazed at how few offspring of very talented mums and dads seem to ever reach the top. And my conclusion to that might be that they've maybe just pushed their kids maybe a little bit too hard. And I'd like to think that Adam will understand and, and he will never say that I've ever pushed him in anything that he's done. And I'm sure Scott has never pushed Kerry Ann into anything that she's not wanted to do. And just being there to support your kids and to provide a little helpful piece of advice I think is because they're getting chucked information and statistics down their throats 24-7 and they don't need one of their parents doing that as well and um, you know so we're always there for them they know we're always there for them I'm there for you as well Kerry and you can phone me anytime so, that's so uh, emotional that's thanks <laughs> wow well, and, and have, you, have you got a big enough box of hankies there Kerry no uh, they're all gone <laughs> Oh. Well, I have to say that uh, is a perfect way to finish this podcast, Gav. And uh, I think you just summed it up perfectly. The the role of the, the the generations. This is what this podcast's all about. It's it's about the nature and nurture. Is it is it uh, is it is it born with it or do you learn it? And I think what we've seen today is that the Hastings family, you know, from Clifford and Isabel right the way through to to Kerry Ann and, and and Adam and and Corey and Holly from 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 the, the two family, the two of the brothers that we've been talking here today. That that light shines brightly for, without a doubt. And um, you know, the Hastings name, as I said, as an intro, is synonymous in Scottish rugby and, and Adam's keeping it going, but with Kerry Ann in hockey, it's brilliant that it's going into another sport. And this family has been so has done so much for, for Scottish sport. And I think what we've seen here today that it's in good hands as uh, Kerry Ann and Adam take that forward. So thank you on behalf of everyone here at uh, Generations, sponsored by Loch Lomond Whiskies. Thank you to the Hastings clan for coming on here today. Cheers. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you, Eddie. Thank you, Giles. See you, everyone. Cheers, See you, Gav. Bye-bye. Take care. I'm off. <laughs> wow. I think some, uh, some words that echoed a lot of what Michael Liner had said, Andy, in terms of the importance of family we're both privileged to know the Hastings family uh, and the, the sort of the the, the the huge influence they have in Edinburgh as a family uh, forget rugby just as a as people mm. in the golf clubs they play etc etc but for me that came through loud and clear that it is a loving and nurturing family that has allowed two of the the offspring but I, I think uh, Corrie would be a, a very very strong contender to be on the show as well if he mm. wasn't over in the states and holly lights up everything that she does is this is a happy family that has obviously had to deal with all sorts of highs and lows as families have to do but the love and the strength and support seems to be the the, the foundation stone that has allowed those kids to to do some amazing things on the pitch without a doubt and it comes from from gavin and scott's parents i think that came out loud and clear that the 
the, the role models were, were Clifford and Isabel. And um, and you can see that. And we've, as you said, we've been lucky enough to be around the, the family environment. And um, um, my, my wife cut Isabel's hair for about 30 years in, in Edinburgh. And so she got the inside track on uh, on everything. I and, bet uh, she got absolutely everything yeah, then. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you can see that the role now that Scott and Gav have is very different. It's a support. It is it is just creating an environment or helping the environment for their children to, to excel or just enjoy. And that's the thing. I think that came out um, loud and clear as well. And, uh, you know, I, I just, we know them very well. I got to know a little bit more about Gavin and Scott today just from exploring that role that they have. And this, you know, this is what this podcast is all about. It's the generations. It's that fam- familial connection and, and what that connection is. And I think we saw that in a different light. You're, we're, we're getting it loud and clear from the Logans, from the Liners to the Hastings that, that it's not the technical um, that they pass on, but it's the mental. And it's just, but it's also just being there and it's the support. And uh, I think a lot of parents can can learn an awful lot from this as well about just what support you have to give to to an offspring that is playing any level of sport, not not even at the highest level. Well, and I think you know we would we, we would see this all the time. We've got our kids have sort of come through the education system, and we've all bemoaned. Every parent would understand that ghastly parent who's on the touchline or on the by the side court bellowing instructions to their child and everybody else wincing and feeling they're being pushed too hard if a captain of the British Lions feels it's his duty not to push too hard then for mere mortals um, who perhaps haven't been at those heady heights perhaps we should all listen so I'm really looking forward to we've got many more of these shows to go Andy and we'll be doing this on a monthly basis we'll not announce who the next guests are as uh, we're in conversations but they're all Uh, families of sporting superstars and I'm really looking forward to the next chat. It obviously goes without saying that we have to and must thank our very generous sponsor Loch Lomond Whiskey who not only um, make sure that we can bring this podcast to you but they also keep our drinks cabinet nice and full and for them I raise them a toast. You can follow me Giles Morgan 71 on Twitter. Um, Andy how can people follow you um, on Twitter? They can get me on AndyNick9 and thank you for all for listening to the show. Thanks, Giles. We'll see you again next time.